Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Catherine, and I usually go to our 6 p.m. meeting, which is why some of you might not recognize me. I moved to SIGCUP about six years ago to go to the drama school down the road, and I became a Christian while I was there. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, I now work for Fusion, which is an organization that's all about students finding hope in Jesus and home in the local church. I love working for them because uh, that's my story. I found hope in Jesus and home in the local church, this wonderful local church. Now, to start, I have to apologize, actually. I, I, um, it's a bit disappointing. I, I don't have um, like a funny introductory story that's kind of not to do with the preach. I don't have an icebreaker question where I make you all feel a bit safe and you're like, I'm ready for the preach now. I, d I don't have any of that. I'm really sorry. We're going to jump um, straight into the Bible. But I don't, I don't want to rob you of that little awkward laugh we all do together at the beginning of all the preachers here at New Community. So I thought we'd pretend that I have told a slightly funny story um, where we all do a little church chuckle together on three but I just want to teach you how to do the church chuckle because I think you could get ahead of yourself and actually laugh but it's not like that at all the church chuckle you don't even need to open your mouth it's sort of like this <laughs> that, that's all I want that's all I want to start this preach so on three we're going to do that together so one two three <laughs> great church chuckle done and we're ready to jump into the wow not even talking about Jesus, and I got a round of applause. Yay, 10 a.m. Um, so we are going to be in the Gospel of Luke this morning, and Luke 15 specifically. So if you've got a Bible, you can um, go straight there. We're looking at the lost and found parables. Now, when I first became a Christian, I started to teach on kids' work here. And if you haven't been a Christian for your whole life, you weren't raised um, on the Bible, that's a really good way to get to understand the Bible more, because you have to learn these stories through teaching them. And now, I used to love teaching the lost and found parables, the lost son, the lost coin, the lost sheep, because you can think of all these props to use, you get the kids to act it out, you have all these little sheep running around, and then one sheep runs out, and you're like, don't go out the room, don't really get lost, it's fine. Um, and and it's, it's, it's really fun to, to go through these parables with, with the kids. And I know for me, even though I wasn't raised on bedtime Bible stories, as soon as I hear someone's going to preach on a parable, I'm like, great, should have brought my duvet to church because I'm getting comfortable this Sunday. I'm not going to be challenged at all. Time for me to settle in because I know that. I've heard that one before, that story, that's something I know. And I feel like that. And I haven't been a Christian for that long. I can't imagine how some of you must feel. You've been Christians for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But Jesus wasn't preaching to kids. He was preaching to adults. He was preaching to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the tax collectors. He was preaching to the hard-working shepherds. And Jesus used these extraordinary stories to challenge, to provoke. He used ordinary, everyday examples and then turned them on their head so that everyone would be shocked, would wake up and think, oh, is that what God is really like? He could have just said to the Pharisees, no, you're wrong. That's, this is what God is like, point one, point two, point three, go home. But he didn't do that. He chose to teach through these stories, to draw people in. So this morning, we're not going to get comfortable. We're not going to pull our duvets up. This morning, we could be challenged by these stories. We could sort of start to unwrap some of the ways our view of God is warped. And we could be challenged on how we follow God and how we invite others to do the same. 
So, Luke 15, the lost sheep. Um, It's going to come up on the screen behind me as well, so if you don't have your Bible, don't worry. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. A crowd has gathered to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees are off on the side muttering, saying, don't you know who he allows to cook for him? Don't you know who he hangs out with, who he lets be his friend? And what they're really saying is, Jesus shouldn't be hanging out with those people. If he was really that righteous, if he was really that good, he wouldn't spend any time with people that didn't follow God, that didn't behave correctly. Because why would he do that? But Jesus is so secure in his identity that he is unfazed by their mutterings. And he starts to teach through this story. And he speaks directly to these shepherds. And he says, now one of you shepherds, suppose you've got 100 sheep and one of them goes off. Wouldn't you leave the 99 and go find that one sheep? Wouldn't, wouldn't you leave them? And now I try and imagine being one of those shepherds, and I think I would stand there going, no, no, no way. I, no, if I leave the 99, I could lose more. I'm staying right here with the 99. There's no way I'm going to wander off and risk all of them for one. But Jesus is teaching us that God has an outward perspective, that he is focused on the one. The one is so significant to him. The shepherd has a personal relationship with that sheep. So when that sheep goes missing, he feels it. He's devastated. God has an outward perspective. Do we? I think it's so easy in, at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., um, our meetings are quite big. We we don't really feel like anyone's missing, do we? If you're in a church plant and there's 20 of you, you're looking around thinking, we really need to invite some more people because this is a little bit awkward. There's only 20 of us and one person sings in worship. Who can we invite? Quick, everyone go. Let's go invite. But in a meeting like this, it's easy to, to forget that we're meant to have an outward perspective. So I think God's first question to us today is who is missing? Who do you know who could be here, who doesn't know God yet? Who do you need to invite? And it can be as simple as this. After the meeting, get your phone out, text someone and say, how was in church this morning? And I, I thought of you, and I was just wondering, is there anything I can pray for you about? Even if they're not a Christian, is there anything I can pray for you about? And just see what God does with that. People are more open to prayer um, than, than we can imagine. They, they really are open. And even if they're not open and they get a bit awkward and they say no, so what? They're going to walk away feeling loved, that we would care so much about them, that we would ask to bring their concerns before God. Of course they are, if we do it in the right way and we don't force them into it. Um, so 
a few months ago, I had a knock on my door. And I opened the door, and there was an Asda delivery driver standing outside my door. Now, this is normally quite a, a usual occurrence for, for people. But it was a bit... Um, we were a bit confused as to why there was an Asda delivery driver at my door because no one in my house had ordered anything from Asda. So we're like, hello. Um, no, we haven't ordered anything. And he's like, no, no, your address is here and assures us that our address is written down. And long story short, um, what had happened is that one of the other girls at 6 p.m. was cooking for 60 people. She was cooking chicken pie for 60 people. And she'd accidentally put in our address rather than her address. She doesn't live near us. She lives quite far away. And some of you might say, happens to all of us. Normal thing. Some others might say, quite rightly, how did that happen? I don't really know how that happened, but it did happen. So we got a knock on our door, and then as the delivery driver is there with 10 crates of raw chicken, asking if we'll take it in, and we're like, no, we've got, our fridge is that big, and there's four of us here already. We're struggling. Um, we can't take all this raw chicken. And so he's going back and forth from his van, calling head office, doing all that, trying to sort out all this mess. And the last time he leaves to go to his van, I'm thinking, oh, we've had quite a, a lot of chat with him. I know quite a bit about his life now. And I haven't told him he's, uh, that I'm a Christian. I haven't told him I'm a Christian. I haven't told him anything about Jesus. And I was like, if he comes back, probably should tell him about Jesus. Um, and so I call one of my housemates over, Dingley. I'm like, Dingley, come on. If, if this guy comes back, I think we should tell him about Jesus. Um, as long as he doesn't knock on the door and just say, like, I'm off. And we're like, okay, let's do it. Great. So we sit on our, like, stairs and we're crouched there just waiting for him to come back. Like, oh, he's going to come back. And he comes back. He knocks on the door. We answer it too quickly. And we're like, hello. <laughs> hello. And he's like, yeah, yeah, so I called head office. It's going to be a long time. I'm just going to have to wait here. And we're like, oh, great, okay. Um, so <laughs> we have a bit more chat, and then we're like, well, we're actually Christians, and we were wondering while um, you're waiting whether we could pray for anything. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I, I, don't like, I don't know if you could pray for me. And we're like, no, 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 it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Of course we can pray for you. Like, it, we believe that God knows you and that he speaks, and prayer changes things, and we'd love to pray for you. And he's like, okay. And he gave us a few things to, to pray about, and, and I start praying for him. And while I'm praying, Dingley is listening out for the Holy Spirit. And as I'm praying, she gets a word of knowledge for him, and she shares it with him. And now he's really interested, and he's like, oh, what? God knows that? What, what does that mean? What, you said that? You what, God spoke to you about that? So then we're explaining what that means and that, yes, God does speak. And sometimes he tells us things to unlock things and da-da-da-da-da. And God's real. And we've shared the gospel with him. And he didn't give his life to Jesus on the spot. And we invited him to 6 p.m. church. And he hasn't come to 6 p.m. church yet. I have no idea where he is. But a seed was planted a seed was planted and it was so exciting as soon as that door shut Dingley and I were just prancing around like Woo, this that was the best evening ever because joining in with the adventure of God is exciting that's how it should feel this is what we were made to do and when you do it you realize oh this actually brings like this brings life to my bones it excites me it wakes me up it it gets me out of the rut of boring everyday life and points me to Jesus and helps me fix my eyes on him because, yeah, this is what I was made to do. But just to juxtapose that story, um, this one's a bit less 
like ordinary. So a student came to church for the first time. Um, and I was sitting near them, and I could see that during worship, they were visibly moved. They were just crying and crying and crying and crying, and all the contributions that came forward were about anxiety. And I thought, wow, like, God, you are definitely doing something, and you know you've been there on those Sundays when all the contributions feel like they're for a specific person, and you can see that they're moved, and and you're like, oh, come on, God, like, this is the day that we're going to see a student, like, give their life to you after their first time of coming to church. How amazing will that be? And I, I went up to them after um, the service, and I said, hey, how are you doing? Like, how did you find church? And they're like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fine. I was like, okay, um, any sort of, like, reflections, like, being so awkward? They're like, no, no, it's fine. I was like, oh, is there anything I can pray for you about? They're like, no. It's like, oh, could I just like pray a blessing over you or anything like that? I don't know like how to pray for a blessing, but could I just pray for you? They're like, no. I'm like, oh, all right. They're like, I'm going to go now. It's like, okay, bye. See ya. And they walked straight out the back and I've never seen them again. Um, and sometimes that happens. And in my eyes, that looks like an epic failure. I'm like, oh, if I just said that, what if I'd asked them that question? Why did you say something awkward? Like, could I pray a blessing over you? That's like Christianese and, oh, I'm so awkward. Don't do that, Catherine. But then God comes in and gently reminds me that it's all his work. It's not about success. It's not about failure. It's more about obedience to him. We're just joining in. So even if they're not open, even if they say no, even if you feel a bit awkward, it doesn't matter. It's not on you. You're just joining in. So we're going to go back to Luke 15 now. Because I think it's really important to notice how Jesus told this story to the, about the sheep. Because he didn't tell it like this. And so often I think we view God like this. But he didn't tell the story of the lost sheep like this. There was once this little dirty sheep. And now this little sheep, he wasn't like the others. He wandered off. He strayed far away from the flock. And when he strayed far away, that little rogue sheep, he fell off a cliff. And the shepherd thought about leaving him there. He thought, if I leave him there, I'll teach him a lesson. But he thought, no, you know what? Actually, I want all the flock to see what not to do. So he brought the whole flock over to this little rogue sheep and he said, watch this, guys. And he picked up the sheep. He shouted at him. He told him off and said, never, ever, ever do that again. And then he put the sheep back in the flock and said, don't talk to the other sheep. And sheep, don't talk to him. Not yet. Let him walk a bit behind. Ease him in. Not quite sure who he is yet, whether he's really for me, whether he's really with us. Jesus didn't tell the story like that. Jesus didn't treat the sheep like that, the story goes like this. The sheep that wandered off, he was actually quite a lot like the others. He was quite a lot like the others, but he didn't know the shepherd's voice. He didn't know how to listen to the shepherd's voice. And so he strayed away from the flock. And as soon as the shepherd noticed, he was distraught. He was so unsettled, thinking, where's my sheep? Where's that one sheep? Where, where's he gone? Where is he? And out of compassion... He risked everything. He left all those other sheep behind to go looking for this one sheep. And when he found him, he'd fallen down a cliff. And when he found him, he leant down, he picked him up, and he drew him close. 
He held him close to his heart. He cradled him. He looked after him. And as soon as he got back from the flock, he said, we're throwing the biggest party ever because this sheep is home. My lost sheep is home. He celebrated. And I don't know where you're at today, if you have wandered away from God or whether you're thinking about wandering away. But know that God is like the shepherd in Luke 15. He's not like the way that I told that first story. He's not mad at you. He is searching for you and not to tell you off, not to sort of beat you up and then put you back in the church where you're sort of a a passive follow on. No, he wants to add you into a family. He wants to care for you. So if you are hurting, if you are broken, if you're not sure whether God is here this morning, he wants to hold you close. He wants to comfort you. He wants to carry you and he will never, ever drop you ever. The next story that Jesus tells us is the story of the lost coin. It goes like this. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. A woman has 10 coins. She realizes she's missing one, so she lights a lamp. She's weeping and she's sweeping the house to find it. And now when I read this story, I'm like, she's got nine others. One coin seems pretty insignificant, but that one coin is precious to her. It's obviously nighttime because she lights a lamp. Again, I'm like, Why didn't she just wait until the morning? That would have been much easier. She probably would have found it a bit quicker. Um, But she's like, no, no, I can't bear to be without this one coin. I have to find it. It is so significant. It is so precious to me. So she sweeps from corner to corner. And when she finds this coin, she invites everyone she knows over to celebrate, to celebrate finding this coin And what does this teach us about God? It teaches us that God never gives up, that he perseveres searching for the lost. And he perseveres for searching for the people we see as insignificant, the ones that we shouldn't hang out with, the ones that have been rejected, the outcasts, the ones that we so easily overlook. He thinks they're significant. He goes to them. He searches for them. He perseveres. And I know that it's really hard to persevere in prayer, to keep sharing the gospel when you've been rejected. I so easily go to brushing the sand and the dust off of my sandals and moving on when someone rejects Jesus. But God doesn't give up, so we can't. I find it really painful to pray for my family that doesn't know Jesus. I find it really painful. So I've been praying for years. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't see any sign of hope. Like, Why aren't you breaking in? Surely you would have already. Like, I've prayed so much, and it's been so long. I've shared the gospel in so many ways, so many times over. Why won't you break in? And God reminds me that he's in control, that he's Lord, um, and that his timing is perfect. And again, it's not about me at all. But that doesn't mean it's not painful, and that doesn't mean it's not hard to persevere. When I first became a Christian, I got sent a picture um, 
from a friend that I hadn't spoken to in years. And she sent me a picture of her Bible. And on the first page, she'd written my name. And she said, I wrote your name in my Bible when I was 12 years old. And I've been praying for you every single day since. I just found out that you've become a Christian. And I'm so happy. She'd been praying for me for seven years. Call that persevering. We weren't even talking anymore. But she kept praying for me. And in my teenage years, I definitely looked like a hopeless case. I looked so far from God in so many ways. She had no reason on the outside to keep praying for me. But she did, and I'm so, so thankful that she kept praying. Because God doesn't give up. So the next question for us this morning is, who have you given up on? Who have you given up on? Who do you find it painful to pray for? And who can you ask this morning to help you pray for those people again? Are you going to ask God to give you strength, to help you pray, to keep praying, to keep sharing? When I'm finding it hard to pray for my parents, um, I, I get pe people to pray with me. So Stephen and Ed Cox have been awesome for that. Whenever I go around to theirs, they always pray for my family. And not just like a... We pray for Catherine's mum and dad. Amen. They, they pray into family situations. They pray for my sisters by name. They pray into what's going on. They really pray. And it raises my faith for what God is going to do in my family. You've been given this family to help you. So get people alongside you to pray with you if you're finding it hard to persevere. And now the final story that we're going to look at this morning is the parable of the lost son. So, a son goes up to his father and basically says, I thought you were going to have died by now, um, but you haven't. And you don't really look like you're dying. Um, I want to go and live my life, so can I have my inheritance? Can I have my share of your property um, so that I can, I can go and live my life? I mean, how rude. Like, that's really rude. But the father gives him his share and says, there you go. There you go, it's all yours. And the son leaves home and he squanders it all. He lives a pretty wild life and he lives recklessly and he wastes all the money, so much so that he ends up getting a job feeding pigs. And while he's feeding these pigs, he's so hungry, he hasn't had anything to eat. He looks at the pig food and thinks, hmm, wish I had a bit of that. I mean, you have to get to a pretty low place to look at pig food and think, yum. Like, that is, that's pretty low. And so he's like, I've got to go back to my father's house. I've got to go back to dad. And so he's like, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to ask to become one of his servants. I'm going to go back to dad. So he starts his way back to his father's house. And as he approaches the house, he sees his dad. And his dad is running towards him. And he's like, oh, no, I know what's coming. I'm going to get the worst telling off of my life. This is awful. And he's taking a deep breath, getting ready to say sorry and as he's preparing to do this, he feels his father run at him and embrace him and start kissing him all over. And before he even has a chance to apologize and to ask to be one of his father's servants, his father's like, let's organize a party, get him a robe, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. 
kill that animal, kill the best animal. We are going to eat today. We're going to celebrate because my son was lost and now he is found. He was dead and now he's alive. My son, my son is home. My son is home. The father doesn't even wait for the son to apologize. He legs it and embraces him. He welcomes him back into his home and celebrates him. He doesn't act suspiciously and ask the son to prove himself and say, yeah, really tell me you're sorry. He totally forgives him before he even gets to him. And he embraces him and he kisses him and kisses him and kisses him. If you're a Christian here today, let's try and be like the father in Luke 15. Let's run at people like that when they come to church for the first time or when they're far away from him. Let's go the extra mile to meet people where they're at. Let's embrace them. It's so easy for us to become like the Pharisees. As soon as you've been a Christian for two minutes and you've stopped hanging out with people that don't go to church, things people say that don't go to church can shock us a bit, can't they? It can be a bit shocking and people can be a bit offensive and we're like, oh, you think that? Oh, that's a bit weird. Um, Because we're, we're around a Christian bubble. And we've got to be so careful we don't be like the Pharisees and look down on people and sort of feel the need to correct people. And I think this is the one I'm probably more prone to. Um, Let's not be in social settings where there's people that don't go to church and they say something and instead of saying anything, we sort of just don't laugh or don't approve just to sort of show them that we're different because somehow our disapproval is going to share Jesus with them and let them come to know God. Like, that's sometimes what I do. I'm being real. I'll, I will physically show that I don't approve of something because I feel like I have to. But that isn't what God has asked us to do. That isn't what the Father does here. We see this picture of God running towards the lost, running towards the one that has walked away, not asking them to prove themselves, not checking them out, but just running towards them, legging it to them in love. When I was a student and I'd just become a Christian, I would get pretty annoyed at my friends um, because they'd always make fun of me for being part of a holy club. And they'd be like, oh, you have to spend time with the God squad. Off you go. Go have fun praying for us sinners. And I'd be like, you're so annoying. And what was more annoying was because they weren't getting it. I was like, it's not a holy club. It's not a God squad. You can come too if you want. But like, I realized slowly that actually they weren't the issue. I was the issue. And the way I had explained things to them was the issue. Because what I'd somehow communicated was, yeah, I'm part of this holy club now. And those things I used to do, I don't do anymore. No, I'm, I'm actually sorted now. I'm, I'm actually like a really good person. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if you knew, but I don't really mess up now. No, I don't, I don't swear anymore. No, I don't do that. I'm not going to drink with you. No, I don't, I don't do that um, because I'm part of this uh, holy club. And in the holy club, we don't do those things. Um, so I'm not going to do them. And God has completely changed my life. And so now I, d- I don't ever even think about doing those things ever. I don't want to. When really what I should have communicated to them was when I didn't know Jesus, I was completely lost. I was walking through life lost. 
not because I was a bad person or I necessarily did awful things. I don't think I was that awful. I didn't really do many bad things. I think back then I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm a good person, that's fine. But it didn't matter that I was nice. I wasn't known. I didn't know that I was known by God, that I was created on purpose for a purpose, that I was handmade by him, so I was completely lost. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And then Jesus met me, and he invited me to give my life to him, and I chose to do that. I said, yeah, you know what? I don't think I'm doing a very good job at this, so you take my life. And when Jesus took my life, he started teaching me about freedom, and so I realized some of the things that I was doing, they weren't bringing me any freedom. And he invited me to turn away from those things and stop doing them, and and some of those I have let go of. But still, there's ways that I think, there's ways that I process, ways that I interact with people, where God wants to bring more freedom to my life, where I'm not all sorted, I'm no way perfect. I still forget to this day that I'm found by God. I still act like I'm lost sometimes. But God added me to this wonderful family where everyone's got their eyes fixed on Jesus and they're trying to figure out how to love people well and how to love God trying to figure it out. We're not a holy club, but we are a holy people, set apart by God, only because of what Jesus has done for us, not because of our good behavior or how well we do, but because of what Jesus has done. And the best thing about this family is that it is always inviting new people. Everyone is welcome here. We're not afraid of people walking in that are a bit messed up, a bit broken, a bit different to us, because we have been that, and in some ways still can be that. But because of Jesus, we found freedom, and everyone is invited. That is what I should communicate to my friends, and that is the message that we should be communicating to people, that they are always invited. And if you are here today, and you don't know God, this is the place for you. doesn't matter whether you're a good person or not. That's not what we're concerned about. It's about being known by God. It's about being known that your life was made on purpose, for a purpose, that you are made for so much more than mundane, boring, everyday life. Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. And something that is amazing about all three of these stories and the last thing we learn about God is that he loves a party. He's not the serious, stiff upper lip British God we can sometimes imagine in our heads. He loves a party. He loves to celebrate and he celebrates over one person. Heaven goes wild when one person gives their life to Jesus. There are millions of people in the world. But heaven doesn't wait until, oh, maybe we'll wait for like 10 people and then we'll throw the party. No, they spend no time when one person comes running back. They party, they celebrate. And that is what we're called to do as well. We are party people. We're not serious or boring or anything like that. We celebrate, we celebrate, we celebrate. So the last question that I think God wants to ask us this morning is, when is the last time you celebrated God? 
When is the last time you celebrated someone coming to know him? When is the last time you threw an awesome party where you opened your doors wide and invited your whole street in? Could you do that? Why not? We're Christians. We throw the best parties ever because we know God, the creator of parties. So as we close, I'm just going to round up what we've learned about God today. So the three things we've learned is that God has an outward perspective. And his question to us this morning is, who is missing? If we look around now, who is missing? Who are you going to text at the end of this meeting to offer to pray for them? The second thing we learn about God is that he perseveres. He never gives up looking for his beloved. He perseveres, he perseveres. And he wants to give you strength this morning to keep going, to keep praying, to keep sharing. Who do you need to ask someone to pray for you with this morning? Who have you given up on? And the last thing we learn is that God parties hard for the one. When was the last time you celebrated? Could you throw a party this summer for your whole neighborhood? Could you do that? And if you're not a Christian here today, or you know that you right now are walking away from God, know that God has space for you here. You can fit in here. And not only is there space for you to sort of edge in the back, God is legging it towards you. He is leaving the 99 for you because you are significant and you are worthy to him. You are worth something to him. He will never give up on you, even if you give up on him. And heaven has planned the greatest homecoming party for your life. And today could be the day that he's written on the invites. It could be. So if that is you today, or if any of this has resonated with you, I would encourage you to grab the people around you and to pray. If you're not a Christian, pray that you would be found by God. Pray that you want to come home. You can pray that. And if you are a Christian, pray for opportunities to share the good news. Pray for the people you've stopped praying for. Pray for God to break your heart for what breaks his. I'm going to pray and then we're going to close. King Jesus, I thank you that you are here with us right now. And we can't even begin to understand how much you love us. How much you would give go and leg it towards us just to see us come back to knowing you. And God, I pray even across this room now that where hearts have wandered away from you and where people know that that is them, and whether they do share that with anyone or not, that you right now would come and touch their heart, that you would let them know that you aren't mad at them, that you are welcoming them back with open arms. God, I just pray that your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is on heaven. Use us, God. Give us opportunities tomorrow, Lord. Everyone in this room, we're available for you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.